Blog Talk Radio. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Julie. Huh? Julie. Huh? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? <laughs> Anybody? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. Huh? What day is it, Mike? Huh? Woohoo! Listen, guess what today is? Listen, guess what today is? It's hump day. Hump day! Woohoo! <laughs> it's hump day. Hump day! Woohoo! <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, we got a two hour blockbusting worth of show tonight. Uh, between myself and the Resistance Hour, Dr. Larry, and yours truly. And speaking of Dr. Larry, we got Dr. Larry on the line. Hey, Dr. Larry, how's it going? Doing great. Ready to go. All right. We got so much to cover, and I don't even know where to actually where to begin. But here's the thing. I, I'm going to begin with a few points here. Then I'm going to get your position, your point, uh, get your views. Because you've been one of the few that has been talking about the unholy alliance and how it's been put in the, you know, and how it could be threatening the future of this country. I mean, you were one of the first on this. And I think we're, you're seeing the, unfortunately, all of your prophecies and thoughts coming for, forward. Uh, yeah, let me begin. Much, I, much to my, yeah. much to my sorrow. Yeah. Here's the thing. Yeah. I, we're gonna you know, we're gonna start off with the the Bob Woodward post, and again, I don't know how much of this is true, how much is factional, how much is you know Bob Woodward being Bob Woodward. Uh, he's not always been known as the most accurate. I mean, uh, remember he had his famous uh, conversation with uh, CIA director Casey during uh, the 1980s, was you know which everybody said could never have happened, but. Uh, Here's the thing. If half of what he says is true, or any portions of it true, where you had a general essentially running foreign policy, in effect, attempting to be prepared to do a coup against the elected president of the United States, we are talking serious, I, I, use, I use the word serious business and that's self-evident. But what we're talking about is something that can never be tolerated in any democratic government or government at all. And, I, and like I said, I'm still trying to figure through all things. There are you know, a lot of other stories I'm now catching up on and I'm still you know, trying to come to grips with all of this. But essentially it comes down to this. Millie basically stated that he had contact with foreign governments, let them know that no unlawful order or attack. In effect, accusing the President of the United States of order, being prepared for order attack or leaving that impression. The guy's nuts. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. I, I, and I have yet to see any evidence that would have ever suggested that, you know, Trump is mad, as angry as he was about the election outcome, this was going to be the end result. Uh, you know, Rick Grinnell is one of those who was the former 
and that's actually a DIA uh, chairman uh, before Ratcliffe got him aboard. You know, basically, you know, he he's a more of a disbeliever on this, more agnostic. But yeah, but I, he, I, I, he, put, he admitted it. Yeah, uh, yeah Billy admitted well, he, that yeah. he that he had these conversations. Yeah, that's the thing. And this is the thing that comes to play. My first thought was when I heard this, you know, Richard Al, oh, no, this couldn't, you know, you know, had his own opinions. And the first thing that popped is he never denied any of this. Nobody in the Pentagon has denied this. This. Now, they've tried to sit back and put it in perspective. It's just, just what we normally do in these circumstances. There were people taking notes, you know, da, 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 da. It wasn't like uh, – you know, they act like this now. This is routine standing up, you know, procedure, which it's not. And what I'm hearing is a lot of non-denial denial. But what it comes down to, I think the American people are looking at their government, a good portion of them, saying, oh, my God. I well, mean, the case we, yeah. the case against Milley is is, is pretty obvious. Um, yeah, he was, uh, you know, he 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 yeah. admitted that he had these conversations, and he is not. He's going to be up in front of Congress next week, uh, and yeah. we'll see, you know, what what he has to say. But but nothing he can say really. I mean, he's already convicted himself, unless the transcripts uh, show. Some, some kind of uh, uh, different uh, slant on all of this that just seems almost impossible. But nevertheless, uh, you know, I, if it, I guess that's the only possibility he has of, uh, of surviving it. Uh, uh, now, it, the other thing is, though, that he does have apparently has something else that's very important. That is. He has apparently has the support of uh, Biden, but I don't know if Biden even knew about this. Uh, but if Biden stands by him and doesn't require him to uh, resign, uh, you know something else. I guess he's going to stay there, and and some kind of court martial might come up in the next uh, administration. But by that time, he'll be retired. But that's his yeah. only shot. Well, I mean, here's the bottom line. That's an interesting concept here, you know, why Biden has conference. Uh, I'm going to take this to a little bit of a step further and and put it in this way, because here's the bottom line. You know, yeah, I, you know, is this. You look at the past four years. Here's what we have seen. We've seen the FBI spy on the presidential campaign trumps using false that they had to know they did know was fake information i.e. the dossier the steel dossier to make the basis of going of they going after and having surveillance on the Trump campaign and then going and using that as the basis for the you know, an attempt impeachment and the Mueller report and all of this this went on for three or four years. You look at the uh, the Ukraine 
you know, the in-person impeachment, which basically was uh, interesting enough, and I want you to get the test because Colonel Benman leaked a conversation between him and the president, which what Joe Biden's name came up. And even though, and the impression was, did he, you know, did let, you know, did he, did a quid for quote, which, by the way, we find out later, not only did he not do it, but when you look at the conversation, you know, hardly would this would be your idea of impeachment. Then you look at the second impeachment, which was basically, okay, Trump and the riots. And you look at the question about the election. Now, I will say this. I am not going to make the statement uh, that Joe Biden won the election by fraud. I will simply say there's no doubt in my mind that there was significant fraud and incompetence. And, you know, Trump's view was, hey, if they're willing to spy on me, they're willing to invent evidence to go after me, why wouldn't they steal election? Then you add this on top of the, you know, it's like the cherry on the top that says, you know, we're going to attempt a coup against a, delect, a directly elected president. And here's the irony that comes into play here which I think is fascinating, is one of the things he was fearing is that Trump was going to pull everybody out of Afghanistan before he left office. Again, I don't know if that's the case or not, but concerning the fact that Joe Biden did the exact same thing, and we've seen that disaster, and Milley was the general chief of, you know, was the, you know, he was the general chief of staff involved in that. You have to be thinking to yourself, well, I guess when Biden did it, it was A-OK. Because he went along with it. Uh, he went along with it. But I, I'm looking at this, and this is the way I'm kind of you know, viewing this in this way, and that is uh, you look at all these things and you start putting it together. We're talking illegal activity by the FBI, and nobody's been punished. We have the Central Intelligence, and, like John Brennan involved, nobody – Loses his job for finding the case of John Brennan. He got caught spying on Senate staffers. He didn't lose his job. Uh, we look at all of this down the line, and I will say this again. I and I will delve more of this a little bit later in the conversation on the election side, and then you put this on top where you literally had a general undermining a duly elected president and determining for himself what foreign policy is going to be. Uh, and, uh, and you put all of this together, and you got to say to yourself, we have a political class that not only protects itself while they break the law to go after those they don't like. And that, in the end, is to me should scare everybody, and I'll have your comments on that thought when we come back. This is Tom Donaldson, Donaldson Files, with Dr. Larry on a Resistance Wednesday, which is a two-hour block today because we're going to be covering a lot of similar ground in the second hour, uh, the Resistance Hour, with Dr. Larry and Tom. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. 
the odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. And also, ladies and gentlemen, before it comes down to auto, what time is it? What time is it? It is... Tom time. Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolor paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Yeah, so don't forget you can listen to this show, uh, 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. every day on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Uh, and you can get there by thebachelornews.airtime.pro, thebachelornews.airtime.pro. And you can listen to this show at any time. And also, don't forget, we do have uh, the, the Resistance Hour with Dr. Larry following this show on this particular network. Dr. Larry and Tom will take a look at politics from a conservative's perspective. Listen to the both of us every Wednesday, 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Block Talk Radio, and this podcast is played every Monday through Friday as well, following the Donaldson Files on your local network, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on the bassinews.airtime.pro. So, and don't forget to stay tuned and stay alive and stay informed because we're going to inform you today about all of this. Okay, I'm giving you kind of a – if I'm a Trump supporter, if I'm a uh, Republican voter, and I'm seeing what happened in the last four years, let me ask you a question. You've seen it. What's your thoughts as a voter, as a you know, conservative when you sit back and you've seen everything in the last four years that I just described, in which literally people were engaged in questionable, not illegal activity, and nobody has gone to jail for any of this. Nobody's been prosecuted. Nobody – I mean, we still have the so-called Durham investigation, which is, uh, you know, where is that? Where is, you know, came to nothing. Where is that? You know, it came to nothing or it's, or it's going to come to nothing. But you get the point. You know, and then you got this Miley instance where, I mean, the guy should have been fired from the debacle of Afghanistan that just occurred. But you throw this on top, and I guess my question is, you know, you know, 
looking at the last four years and seeing everything I just outlined, you know, what is the lesson you and I ought to be taking from this? Well, the lesson I take is uh, what I call a unholy alliance, and uh, and what uh, it's uh, it's includes what uh, uh, Mark Levin calls uh, American Marxism. Um, we we have a uh, movement in uh, basically. I guess what we really have is we have about two major movements, and and then we have a big gap in the middle of people who aren't thinking about movements at all. They're just basically trying to go ahead and go along and live their lives. Uh, but they're become get, getting more and more uh, aware of uh, politics. Uh, and the two movements would be uh, what I'm going to call the the America First movement of uh, starring uh, Donald Trump. And the other is the uh, American Marxism starring uh, 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 Biden and uh, particularly uh, our friend from uh, New England. Um, and uh, this this is not new. This, this, this goes way back to really, it really it, the first time, the first uh, uh, obvious uh, admiration of Marxism came in the, in the 19, early 1930s when uh, after Stalin took over Russia, and uh, a number of Americans, including um, uh, Bernie Sanders, uh, went over to uh, to uh, see what was going on, and they came back. They were so impressed with the uh, idealism and the uh, the, uh, the so-called uh, egalitarianism of of the uh, Soviet. Uh, movement uh, that uh, they began to really take seriously all of these uh, these uh, dogmas that 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 uh, constituted uh, marxism and they they've been they've been there all the way along i mean uh, roosevelt had a he had a socialist uh, vice president norman thomas in his in his uh, first two uh, uh runs um uh, but they they didn't first of all they got interrupted well the, the and a lot of this had to do with the uh, depression the, the depression was a major uh negative uh <coughs> negative vote on capitalism because as far as everybody could tell capitalism had completely failed and you had people in the streets and people on top of railroad cars trying to make a living in in uh all sorts of ways um and uh but then of course the 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 war came along and uh, a lot of people feel that had it not been for the war uh the depression would not have ended and uh that probably would have been a big revolt at that time but it did happen and as we came out of it we came out of it way more than we went into it which is we came as a world power and the world power, and uh, we had to undertake an entirely different view of our of ourselves, and that view included the idea that uh, of American exceptionalism. That oh my gosh, you know, we're the only we're the only people left standing here, and uh, and so then of course, as we know, we went to the whole uh, 
the whole uh, Cold War era. But those and those people kept, you know, they 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 were they were always around and for a long time. In the 50s, they were persecuted as American communists, and uh, and then of course in the 60s uh, there was this uh, radical fringe that were uh, persecuted and they'd be turned outlaw in many cases, but it, it was always kind of there. And then you know finally they won a, they thought they won an election, which was uh, Barack Obama, and. Uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of uh, ideas in the Obama book that uh, sounded very much like what uh, Mark Levin has uh, identified as, as American Marxism. And then what happens is they have this tremendous uh, uh, surge of resistance that comes in the in the form of Donald Trump. And they thought they they thought they had won. They thought all they had to do was to put uh, to put uh, the Clintons back in power, and they could then turn the whole company around and make it into a, a Marxist paradise. And then, oh my God, they lost. They lost. They couldn't believe they lost. And and then a lot of the the new uh, backing of the of what had always been considered a fringe benefit, a fringe uh, movement, uh, this new backing started to really reappear, and and it was it's it turned out to be a, what I call the unholy alliance. It was you you have the the, the new the, first of all you have China becomes open to American technology and American companies. And um, these big companies go over there, and they start making a lot of money. They, in the process, they take all of a lot of the uh, the labor uh, with them. And uh, then, of course, you have the digital revolution comes at the same time, which means that other undercuts American labor, uh, unskilled labor particularly. And uh, so now, then. They make a, they make a lot of money. They go and they buy up a uh, communications system, and so now all the newspapers and and broadcast uh, uh, properties are pretty much owned by these billionaires. And you've got the you find out that there's been this hidden um, strain of uh, Marxism in the academic community, and that has really surfaced strongly, and then. That of course is also uh, then you then you've got another group that they that they kind of uh, allied with and that's the uh, administrative state the bureaucracy and uh, they found out that uh, if they joined uh, if they joined forces with these other guys that uh, they could take over and so they. They did, and then when the Trump guys came along, wow, they tried to do everything they could to get rid of them. So, I mean, it's 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 been a it's been a pretty steady it's it's been a steady uh, flow with a sudden flood that that happened in uh, 2008, and then suddenly there was a big dam that happened in 2015. And now they over they've overcome the dam, and by God, this time they're going to make it if they 
because they know this is their last chance. And that's my speech for today. Well, that's a pretty good speech, and uh, yeah, it's almost taking us to a break here. So congratulations, <laughs> thanks. <laughs> but sorry I, about yeah, that. I say, that's okay. I mean, that's so it. No, no, yeah. I say, I mean, what we're looking at here is this. I mean, you have a political leadership class, American Marxist class, whatever how you want to define it, uh, and. I like to you know my good, my friend uh, Wilf O'Reilly, and I'll put it to me one time. He said, "You ever get the feeling that the people who rule us will really hate us?" And we do have this disconnect. But we're going to follow up later here on the Bastion News Radio Network. This is Tom Donaldson with Dr. Larry. We're talking everything tonight on the Donaldson Files Resistance Hour special to go along with the Resistance Hour with Dr. Larry and Tom. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent? One in 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism? One in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. And up here, ladies and gentlemen, when it comes to auto, it is... Napa Know How! Napa Guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa Know How, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. Napa Know How. Don't forget tonight following this show, it's the Resistance Hour with Tom, with Dr. Larry and Tom. And we're going to basically uh, kind of follow up on some of the discussion we have later. We are working on a kind of a special show down the road. To get both Bob Livingston and Jim Gilmore on the show. We've, like I say, these are very busy men, and we, and everything seems to be changing on a minute's notice. But okay, I'm going to follow. There's a point to you, but I mean, like I say, this is the leadership class, the Marxist class, the Unholy Alliance is, and I think you know, I, I want to kind of redefine, it, like I say, because fascism. To me, or Nazis, or National Socialism, is not going to be a bunch of funny-looking guys with funny-looking mustaches doing goose-stepping. Uh, but they're going to look like, well, they're going to look like the Chinese leader, you know, with Burke's brother suits. And and, I, I, and I'm at this point, you know, and I think to me, when I think, you know, the point you've been making along with the Unholy Alliance, is essentially, we got people, quite frankly, we have a political class that no longer cares 
about the people they rule as much as they care about keeping their own power. Uh, we have a military class, and I, and I, and it, and I found this article by uh, Malcolm Owens. And for those people who don't know who Malcolm Owens is, uh, he is a kind of a military specialist. Uh, um, he's a senior fellow at the Foreign Policy Research Institute in Philadelphia. And here's what he wrote. And this kind of goes down to, you know, this. The United States spends a great deal of money on its military. People acquisition and found this funding because people remain, because the military remains a respected institution. But this respect could collapse if the American people come to believe that the U.S. military is not a profession based on honor and duty. The purpose to which to ensure the security of the country, or whether just another self-interest bureaucracy motivated by something other than the common good. And then I'm going to throw this out because it goes along with this. Uh, in Powerline blog, Paul Marengoff wrote a very interesting piece today. He has it's, it's called. Why does Joe Biden has confidence in Millie? And he, and again, he wrote the uh, these following words. What's that? Miley's, yeah, Miley's alliance collaboration with the red Chinese, with the real the red Chinese, something far from denying. Miley and the White House backers appear to defend. Doesn't seem to phase. Joe Biden. And because the Biden rational, rationale may seem particularly alluring, by the time he departs, he departs. There'll be good reason to doubt that he's, well, he's in members of his uh, limited faculties. But here's the thing. His president spokesperson, uh, Gene Psaki, President knows General Milley. He's been a chairman of the Joint Chiefs for eight months of his presidency. They work side by side, and he has extreme confidence and fidelity well, to the Constitution. It's a debatable point of that. But here's the thing: this is the first article. What happens when the, when the American people say, "You know what? These people running our military are no different than others." And when you start losing respect for institutions like the military, which up to, you know, let's say up to, let's say, the past few years, uh, or at least this past year, you know, it was very high. Most people trusted the military. They looked at it as an institution of honor and duty. But, but when you see a president holding, well, you know, keeping – "Quote unquote uh, confidence in this man." What are you as a voter going to be thinking? Yeah, you know, I'm thinking to myself: if you're willing to tolerate this kind of incompetence and maybe illegality, what else are you willing to tolerate? I mean, there's a point somewhere where if people don't get the idea that this kind of incompetence or this kind of treachery is going to be tolerated. 
the supports for those very institutions are going to erode. And that's exactly what we're seeing. Joe Biden seems to have no problem with any of this, any more than he didn't have any problem with the disaster of Afghanistan. And an honorable man would have resigned. An honorable man would have said, this is a bad plan. I'm out of here. Uh, you know, say what you want to say about Cyrus Pants in 1979 as Secretary of State. He opposed, and you can even dispute his position, but he opposed the attempt of Jimmy Carter to try to rescue uh, the hostages, which turned out to be a complete disaster. And, you know, for those of us who may remember, there was, you know, they basically failed in their, you know, they couldn't even get helicopters to uh, to the capital you know, to the capital of Iran, much less, and they called off the mission. You know, Millie's a man with no shame in the sense that you would think after that by itself would have been enough to say maybe I'm the wrong guy for the job. But you had this on top of it, and you had the fact that the president says it's okay with me. You know, that should be kind of a scary thought in the sense that, you know, this kind of treachery needs to be rebuked, not supported. Your thoughts? Well, I think I think you're now at uh, at the level of motivation, and um, I think there there are basically uh, there there are several types of motivation that uh, that are uh, active here. One is that you uh, you see the uh, well. One is one is Basically, uh, the uh, the quest for for power, which uh, which uh, you correctly uh, identify, um, but then but then there's also the uh, another group that's motivated uh, essentially by by nihilism that that they they feel so um, deprived themselves that they want everybody else to be deprived and. They're, uh they want to burn things down and 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 uh this is uh, the streak in marxism which is very destructive of conventions uh whether it be statues or uh constitutions in our case or or uh religion or whatever uh that that's a strong a strong element of the marxist uh credo if if you will uh but then you also have people who are um, uh, in this basically uh, because uh, they really think, they really believe that what they're trying to do is is the right thing for America, and and it's not that they're destructive so much as it is that they just feel that there's so much uh, evil that is going on that um, that it just has to be fixed. And they're willing to take a lot of chances and risk to uh, to stop what they consider the uh, the evil of their uh, of of the uh, of this uh, nation falling into the hands of people like uh, Donald Trump. But then there's the, but then there's another very very significant 
group that has uh, an entirely different motivation, and that is they want the downfall of the United States so that they can uh, take over uh, as the prominent uh, dominant uh, civilization in the in the United in the world, and that's the Chinese. And so you really have to understand that the Chinese are working in and mm. and pulling a lot of uh, strings, really, uh, in not only in the Biden administration uh, and Biden himself, but also uh, in other ways in uh, in uh, all of the uh, of the foreign the Chinese students who have uh, come to the United States for. Uh, technical training. You notice you never have China uh, Chinese uh, scholarships that are uh, aimed at the humanities. It's always it's always technical. Then they have the uh, they have these centers of uh, Chinese culture that they fund for uh, and and uh, many American universities. Uh, then they also have these the students that. Uh, to graduate from these technical programs frequently stay in the United States for quite a while, sometimes for a long, long time. And then, of course, they open their markets, supposedly, so that they can then uh, uh, in, in, uh, insist on uh, and, and enforce the uh, theft of all of our technologies and uh, so, so there's, there's. This is not a, a monolithic movement. This, this is a movement with a lot of different parts to it, and uh, and and ultimately, though, the winner if, in all of for for all of these, all of this whole uh, cauldron of uh, of mixed uh, messages is China. China is is standing there waiting for us to fall on our own sword, and that and they are uh, very effective in trying to make that happen. Yeah, uh, you know, you're absolutely. I mean, that's. I mean, yeah, and you know, you're absolutely correct. I mean, and you know, the China because here's the thing. You know, after Trump. In December, I don't know if you ever saw this, uh, Tucker Carlson, you know, produced a live audio in which a Chinese political scientist was talking about the impact of Donald Trump, the impact of his loss, what it meant. And he basically made it clear. He said, look, we got friends on Wall Street. We got friends, powerful friends in the United States, including Wall Street, who want to keep things as they are. And Trump was in the way. I mean, he, I mean, and this, I mean, like I said, he's... Yeah, but those he, people are... Who, 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 what's the stock that all those people on Wall Street are buying? And what's the, what are the companies that they're, that they're funding and investing in? So many of them are making fortunes out of, out of uh, China. And, I mean, you, you can take... The most obvious example is the technology sector, that where they almost all, like Apple, following Apple's example... Of uh, going into China and uh, and essentially uh, training and hiring uh, their people to go and do the work that our people would do for a lot more money, and and uh, and then they they end up being very very.
situation of uh, of uh, the uh, the transfer of technology, the transfer of people, the transfer of uh, wealth, and the people. I mean, when when you have Jamie Dimon from uh, from J.P. Morgan saying on on camera that it's that he believes that the Chinese are going to be our friends forever that there is never going to be any uh situation in which they uh, they uh, are are going to be our enemies i mean this is a guy who really ought to know better i mean if anybody would be likely to know that things are uh that that there are very real possibilities of uh of uh the chinese being being our not only our rivals but our enemies you would think it would be an international banker with a lot of money riding on both sides of the of the uh, uh of the deal and yet he yeah, hold says on, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell you what, uh, Larry, hold on a second i'm gonna bring you right back on this uh, after this this is tom donaldson donaldson piles here on the bachelor news radio network you might know me i'm 50 cent you may follow my tweets my facebook friends Odds are a few in six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger's too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Yeah, and ladies and gentlemen, don't forget you're asking yourself hey i got my auto repaired what do i need to do it is what do you need napa know how napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm your monthly payment is zero and it'll stay that way because with over 500,000 parts and a little napa know-how you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa Know How. Napa Know How. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, back here at the, uh, the Donaldson Files here on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Don't forget, you can listen to this show every day at 10 a.m. and 3 p.m. every day on the bachelornews.airtime.pro. .airtime.pro. Uh, and listen to the repeat of this show and other great shows I do because this place said all the Donaldson Files shows are great. It's so hard to pose, even decide which one is the greatest. And if you want to call in uh, with your opinions, you can call in at 646-929-0130. 646-929-0130. Uh, tell us what you think. Do you think uh, Billy is a uh, treasonous General who should be court-martialed, you think he was a great guy for saving us from the orange, bad orange band? Uh, call in, or if you just want to just say, you know, Dr. Larry, you make the Donaldson Files with the addition really good. <laughs> so 646-929-0130. Okay, go ahead and follow up on your point there. Uh, talking about, okay, you're, you're, you're going with Jamie Damon, and you're going with people you would think, quite frankly, well, the reason the reason that that, that uh, Wall Street is booming 
when all of this bad stuff is happening in in the to the, to the United States is because the 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 stocks that they are they're buying and selling are basically uh dependent upon China and uh the Chinese are are in in the process of uh making uh a significant uh, uh profits both for our people and for their people but but ours are of course uh, uh theirs are all going to the same the same cause which is that the party the Chinese part, uh, communist party and uh, ours are being uh distributed and now the the uh the Bidens are going to come along and uh tax everything and so it'll all end up into phony money and and it's just it's a multi a, an extremely effective multi front war that they are that they are uh, uh, uh executing toward toward us and it's it's very very uh threatening and scary if you if you understand it and frankly if 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 we don't get a uh, a, a a reliable vote in uh, 2022 if 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 they are still another election uh we're done I, I don't think we we'll ever have a, the Republicans will never win another election, and and unless the Chinese take them over too. Yeah, I, you know, I, mean, I mean, I have never been so much concerned in my life with what I would say the complete destruction of the rule of law in the U.S. Uh, the what? The complete destruction of the rule of law. Uh, yeah. Well, let's hope. I mean, think about. It. I mean, here's the thing. I mean, think. Of it. I'm gonna go back to the original, original talking point I started at the beginning of the show. All right, you had the Russian collusion hoax. You had literally the FBI going to the FISA courts with fake information, fake data to get warrants, and in fact, illegally getting warrants to look up and spy, and essentially end up surveilling a presidential campaign. You literally had uh, the same group of people. I mean, you also had an intelligent CIA director who admitted, you know, had to admit, yes, we were spying. Uh, we were spying on Senator Stafford, and he kept his job. He kept his job. Uh you look at this present leadership, leadership and the remember that colonel who you know basically went on the air, you know, you know, and essentially gave up his retirement because he was 17 years, and he was not he's not going to reach 20. We basically said what we just witnessed, witnessed was a disaster in Afghanistan. Are the those at the top going to be held accountable? Like those in the field would be held accountable if they made, you know, serious mistakes of serious mistakes. I don't see Miley being held accountable for the Afghanistan disaster. I don't see the Secretary of Defense or any of the individuals involved in this with the four, the various stars that they have on their lapel. And the message 
that you and I, that the average voter is getting, is those at the top protect themselves, those at the bottom pay the price. We have lost accountability. Now you got this. And you essentially got the President of the United States face to say, it's okay that you were thinking about a coup against the bad orange man. And not only does he screw up Afghanistan, now we're finding out he may have been doing this on top of all of that. If we're not going to hold people accountable for this, what are we going to hold them accountable for? When will we hold them accountable? More importantly, who who holds them accountable? Because if you don't have if you don't have the power of the of the uh, Congress or the power of the executive, um, you're uh, you're you're probably not going to get very far in holding people accountable. Yeah. Well, I mean, here's the thing: because the only thing left is the election box, is the voting box, and you can only hold, and we can't hold well, the Democrats. Accountable to, you know, the pres- on the presidency side until 2024. We can certainly hold the congressional side in mm-hmm. 2022 accountable, but it still reached the point that you know Miley keeps his job. He keep, he's keeping his job, and that's you know I don't know about you, but we're talking about I mean we're. Are we talking treason here, where essentially a president, a general, goes behind the president's back to institute policy and contact foreign countries, including our enemies? Yes. We are talking about treason. Yeah. Yeah, and and I'm thinking to myself, could you imagine, let's just put it this way, could you imagine... If it was the first, let's just say, in 2016 uh, or 17, you had a, a general, a, you know, a, a general who basically was keeping an eye on Barack Obama, making sure that you know, you know he's you know doesn't do anything going behind his back to contact our allies and enemies. And then if Donald Trump, and it came out, and Donald Trump defended, oh, yeah, that's reasonable to me, what do you think the fallout would be? Well, it would be, it would be uh, extremely uh, outrage, extreme outrage, no matter what he did. Uh, they, they had a hate campaign going against Trump that just what they were able to make uh, great, uh, you know, great hay out of out of anything he did, whether good or bad or indifferent. So they just didn't like anything, and as long as he did, it must be bad. And of course, that's part part of what's holding that that coalition together right now, and it's beginning to shred because uh, they're finding out that some of the things that they have reversed. Uh, that Trump did uh, have, have had dire consequences. Um, so that's not good in a normal in a norm 
normal environment, that wouldn't be good. But you've also got part of this reconciliation bill that nationalizes the election process. And if that happens, it, uh, I think it's a game over. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean here. I, I don't think I'm it will, by the way. Yeah, uh, I don't think so either. But I'm not going to. You know, I'm with you on this. But I'm going to go back to my original point uh, that I began the show with. If I'm Donald Trump, or if I'm a Republican or a supporter of the party, or even a supporter of Trump, here's what I've witnessed over the past four years. I witnessed the Russian collusion hoax, which included the FBI getting warrants to, based on a dossier that they knew to be false or questionable. Number two, we've seen two attempts to impeach the president. And now we're talking about this. And we... and. Again, I am not stating that the election, you know, was, you know, you know, I'm, gonna, you know I'm not going to suggest that the election, that a Biden won by fraudulent vote, but I will say to the people, there was enough questions about the election, and let me give you two examples here. I have a, a, a lady who I've become good friends with, and she's putting up a website where she's looking at voting. You know, she's actually gone into state uh, and gotten, you know, people's voting records and voting and to see, okay, was there any double voting? You know, what went down? Here's what she found the first two states she did, just to give you an idea. Is, you know, nine, there were something like 8,500 more votes in the state of Nevada than voters who cast. Let me repeat that. There were 8,500 more votes cast than voters casting them. In Pennsylvania, it was 41,000. And when the Secretary of State of Nevada tried to challenge her, uh, and you know, she basically took the Secretary of State Nevada data turned it right back on her, and instead of being debunked, she found herself debunking the Secretary of State's own complaint, and her data was validated. I mean, think about that. She states nearly 50,000 more votes than people who actually cast the votes. This is what Donald Trump saw or was seeing or is seeing right now. And again, you know, the margin of those two states, you know, the, but again, I'm, and again, she said to me, says, I'm not saying this is voter fraud, but there's only two possibilities that this happens. Sheer incompetence or fraud. It's one or the other. Or as a good friend of mine, John Fun said, uh, I don't know when the fraud begins and the incompetence ends. But either way, you when you listen and you find out that 50,000 more votes were cast than people who cast those ballots in two battleground states, that's a red flag. 
if this is all part of what it is you've been talking about here. Uh, and it's kind of a scary thing. Sit back and say, well, where's the accountability? It's not just transparency and accountability here. We're looking at, you know, possible fraud, treason. What are you going to call it? Yeah. What's I mean, what, what, what other option is there? Incompetence is it? And voting, it comes to or fraud. Either way, it's not good. <laughs> it, you know, it, and I'm just like saying again, she would not go on the record and say it's all fraud. She will simply say, you know, it's one or the other. Because she was trying well, to basically do a research project is what she's doing, and she's not going to say, well, I don't know if everyone knows votes are fraudulent. You know, I can't prove that. I can only prove that it happened. You can make up your own judgment on that case. I'm going to use the word fraud because I've been in politics too long to know that those things of that nature and with that don't get done accidentally. But Well, if they did it once, they can do it again. But the only thing that stands in their way is a revitalized uh, state um, move, a movement in the states to uh, take over and to get serious about about uh, cleaning up their uh, voting procedures, uh, and and I think that's happening in a lot of states. I think it's something like 35 states now have uh, some kind of uh, activity to uh, try to guarantee the integrity of their votes. Um, yes. And uh, and if, if that is if that if that holds, and if if the votes are real, I, it seems likely that that this uh, this movement of uh, toward uh, Marxism is is not going to uh, mature and is not going to take over the United States of America. But that's also the same reasoning that the uh, Adherents of this, uh, pro, this ideology have. I mean, they are desperate. They mm-hmm. are. They are. If they see that they're going to lose their chance again, uh, it's 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 really kind of uh, awe-inspiring as to what they might end up doing. Because it's uh, it could be you know it it could things could get really really rough. I mean, you you've seen how. The 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 TV from uh, from uh, California, where thieves are just walking into uh, drugstores and and uh, other kinds of stores and just taking out whole uh, wheelbarrowfuls of uh, merchandise and nobody nobody stopping them and nobody doing anything against them. So I guess we got us yeah. we run out of time here, haven't we? Yes, we have, but this is Tom Donaldson here with Donaldson Files uh, saying good night from the Donaldson Files and the Bachelor News Radio Network.
Trumpet. You know it's the Resistance Hour with Dr. Larry and Tom Donaldson on the Bachelor News Radio Network. I'm Dr. Larry Fidoa. We're a co-host on the, uh, on the Resistance Hour, and we are actually in the second hour now of a uh, combined uh, two-hour program uh, talking about the uh, basically uh, the environment as well as the actions of uh, of our of our beloved country and uh, the things that are happening in, in Washington and Afghanistan and elsewhere. And uh, Tom, um, we were just talking about <coughs> the uh, the future of uh, the United States, and uh, and um, I simply uh, stated that if they uh, if the uh, left is allowed to uh, steal another election that uh, is that may be the rest of the game may be over but I'm also hopeful that that's not going to happen because we have renewed emphasis in so many of the states on uh, trying to clean up their um, voting uh, procedures and uh, and monitoring that uh, that we may in fact have a uh, true election and and we may in fact be able to uh, have a, see the uh, America First people come back, but you didn't get a chance to comment on that. Well, you know, I, I guess I, I'm going to go back to you know the, the, the answer to your question is this: like I say, this, the lady I was talking to, she's part of a movement that's doing exactly that. You know, working across states, working with kind of other people to ensure that this does indeed happen, and and, and certainly when voters are looked at and say, "Oh my God." You know, how the hell did 50,000 votes end up being cast more than 50,000 voters? And I do see, like, states like Texas, uh, Iowa, Georgia, Florida have all basically began that process of reforming their system to make sure that in their state uh, the elections are going to be as fair and fair as can be. And if and it goes back to the point you made it. I've made it on this show. It begins. You know, it, it, we may have to find ourselves going state by state, understanding that it is the states and the state governors that are stand at the moment at the uh, you know, that they're the ones standing there at the very gate, you know, to deal with the barbarian leftist horde. That's out there, and I mean that's because I mean and that's where we're at. You know, it may come down to these other because I certainly don't have a lot of faith in the Republican congressional side of the equation, but I do have faith uh, in some of these governors. Go ahead. And, and, and that's troubling. That speaking of that, uh, that uh, I find that. I find the Republican reaction to all this in the Senate and and, and the House, but particularly the Senate, uh, is being very very questionable. I mean, this this uh, the idea that 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 uh, they couldn't hold together and vote as a block on this uh, on this uh, package that they were talking about. That you know that that. Uh, now, what, is, what do they call it? The big, uh, well, the big giveaway, yeah. anyway. Um, 
and the 19 senators, Republican senators, went ahead and voted for oh, yes. it. Oh, so, yes. So that it would uh, actually come to the floor. I mean, <laughs> I, I just I can't see that at all. And I also, I've been, I watched some of the, I didn't watch all of it by any means, but I watched some of the, uh, some of the, uh, the interrogations of, uh, of Mr. Blinken about, uh, uh, the, uh, the, 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 uh, Afghanistan situation. And, uh, some of those Republicans were very, were, were really, Quite conciliatory. I mean, some of them were really, uh, really got on him hard, just like Rand Paul and yeah. and, uh, and Cruz. But uh, some of them were uh, pretty soft, I thought. Well, I mean, like you say, I mean, here's the thing: this is not a time to be soft anymore. Uh, this is uh, we're at that point where uh, softness is no longer an option. Failure is no longer an option. And you're right when you got 19 senators voting for that 3.5, whatever, that trillion, that trillion. infrastructure bill, trillion, whatever, trillion, it's an infrastructure bill. You got to be asking yourself. 10,000 you know, pages that nobody has read. Yeah. So let's vote for a bill and trust the Democrats uh, on a bill that nobody has read and that there's what, what hit, you know, and, and deal with what we know will be a lot of hidden goodies. For anything but infrastructure. Yeah, I think my best line. I mean, I don't know if you ever read the Babylon Bee. It's a satirical site. You know, from the right side, very funny. And and they had this. You know, they had this like satire art. You know, satire. You know, the satire article and the, the uh, top. You know, the top line was. I mean, now that the infrastructure bill is passed. Congress now will decide to pass a bill in which real infrastructure will be built. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And that's where we're at here. I mean, it's like. Well, the big thing now is that reconciliation bill. And that, that's, uh, right now it appears that the, uh, much of the next step in that, in the, uh, negotiation of that, of that package is going to be uh, between um, the uh, the uh, Democrat minor- majority and and the parliament parliamentarian because because the the, the language of the uh, Reconciliation Act in 1974 does not uh, allow any anything uh, to do anything that is not budgetary. And that is not uh, directly related to the uh, to the budget uh, by by in, in detail. In other words, you can't just say, well, you know, for the Department of Energy, we're going to give this much, this many billions of dollars, and not tell them what it is exactly. And uh, so there there is some hope now that she will be able to uh, disqualify enough of the of the uh, things that uh, all of these uh, socialist uh, giveaways uh, that uh, that you know, reduce the harm that this thing does. But uh, even if that happens, there's still a whole lot of taxes in there. 
and the taxes are going to be going to stifle the economy because the, the like somebody said uh, where where does the uh, uh, where does why do they keep going back to the middle class to uh, to collect their uh, taxes and the answer was because that's where the money is if you take all of the all of the money all the assets of all of the billionaires in this country there's not nearly enough it's it's like 10% of the uh of the uh national debt that uh, is being is being uh, developed now by the by the Biden administration and and uh and their cohorts in the uh, congress yeah absolutely i mean you're you're absolutely right. And now I'll go back. Let me, you know, after I know we got a break coming up, so but there's a couple of things I want to share after the break. Okay. So I will let you. You're listening so to the. Ahead. You're listening to the Resistance Hour, on the Bachelor News Radio Network. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. And ladies and gentlemen, because the auto repair is... Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. You're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network, and uh, Tom, you're about to give us uh, some of your great wisdom. Yeah. Okay. Let's. I, okay. Uh, what I'm going to do? I'm going to give you. Like I said, I'm going to get down here. I've got a stat in front of me, um, and let me give you this stat. Uh, and okay, to combine. Just listen to this. The combined marginal long-term capital tax rate, and the other day, but this also doesn't include just our own, the federal size, but this, uh, uh, you know, state as well, right? By the time he finishes this, we're going to be close to 50% of long-term capital. Where does that place? Think of this way. That places us 18% higher than Sweden. Let me repeat that. 18% higher 
in Sweden. It puts us 21% higher than Germany. And it puts us about 14% higher than France. It puts us about 28% higher than Great Britain. In other words, even a Nordic capitalist state like Sweden has a lower will have a lower capital gains tax that we will have in the United States by nearly twenty percent. Alright, alright. Think about that. Even the Swedes have an understanding there's only so much you can tax on the so called rich. And I should point out to people who love the Nordic capitalist states and their welfare state is that they tax the middle class. They tax them from value-added taxes, and many of them are paying two to three times on the average what the average middle class will pay here in the United States. So it's not like they don't tax, but even they recognize if you tax the investor, the producer's, well, somebody's got to produce the goods. Somebody's got to produce the jobs. Somebody's got to produce an economy that you can have, a, so you can actually be able to support a portion of this welfare state. The Swedes get it. What's what's the source of that again? Okay, well, you want to say, well, it came from a chart, a Powerline blog, put it on. It came out of the Washington Times, uh, huh. and the Tax Foundation. Yeah, the source is the Tax Foundation. Well, I sure would like to see it come, come from, a, from a leftist organization. I mean, one of the things they have to do now is they have to, they still have to go through the uh, the uh, scoring of this on the uh, what is it the the, uh, the budget uh, committee the budget yeah the congressional uh, office, agency yeah, yeah. 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 the CBO uh, that. No, no, none of the economists think it's going to, it's going to pass that um, aspect either. But um, who knows? I mean, you know, they they haven't yeah. been very accurate anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the thing comes in play. This, I mean, it comes down to that. I mean, it goes back to a point that I made. I've been making on my show for quite a while. I said, you look at the inflation as it. The biggest problem we have inflation. Inflation is a monetary phenomenon in which you have too much money chasing too few goods. And one aspect to that is if you cut off the production side, where goods are not being produced, uh, you're going to end up with that inflation because you're going to still have too much money chasing those too few goods that are being produced versus, let's say, those goods that may have been produced a year earlier at a much higher level. In other words, you got to produce goods and services uh, so you can soak up this excess money that the Federal Reserve are putting into it. You know, the Biden strategy has been the complete opposite. It has been the complete opposite where they're essentially saying. Uh, yeah, but see, they don't understand one of the most fundamental aspects of uh, 
of, of economics, and that is that without profits, you cannot have any taxes. Because if if you're using all the money that you make, if everybody is using all the money that they make simply to live, and they don't make a profit, then there's nothing there to tax. And no matter what your what your uh, uh, legislative uh, apparatus is, if it's not there, it's not there. Now you you, you can start uh, enforcing it by. Uh, saying that uh, you're going to, uh, you know, put them in jail or that you're going to force them into uh, the poorhouse or whatever. But, and that's what happened in, in the Soviet Union. But no matter what you do, if, if if the profit is not there, then the tax money is not there. So then you start doing what we're doing anyway, and that is you start printing money, and then the money loses all its value. And and everything gets worse, and that's that's why um, socialist countries don't work. They just they just don't understand no. the most the fundamental piece of piece of economics. And that's no. not just well, capitalism. Yeah. That's period. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Well, here's the other thing: corporate tax rates among those what we will say the um, developed nations. Let me give you this, what the Biden proposal will be one of the highest in the developed nation. Here's the countries that will be underneath us. Mexico, Canada, Spain, Netherlands, Belgium, Greece, Greece, for God's sakes, Norway, Denmark, Sweden. Let me repeat that. Dor- Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Finland. I mean, we're literally talking the Nordic capitalist states. And the thing is, there will be in the case of, and we're looking at something that's like on a 33% higher than those nations. 33% higher. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, you have a state with generous welfare, but they understand. But you know, when it comes to capital gains and corporate taxes, they're going to tax those those countries and those investors less. Than we're going to be doing. So it doesn't. Make, normally, I would say things like it doesn't make sense, but I think it does make sense because I'm not all that convinced that most of these people really care that much about economic growth to begin with. I think they believe that, quite frankly, government is the final producer of goods and services, not the private sector, and the private sector should be like everybody else working on behalf of the government goals and objectives. Uh, Your thoughts? Well, I think that's true. I mean, I I, I don't think and I don't think it's just a matter of not caring about the economy from the point of view of uh, of uh, disdain or or uh, malice. It's partly just ignorance. It's partly they just don't understand how how economies work, and that I think is uh, where a lot of this a lot of the trouble 
that we're uh, in and headed for is is really going to uh, you're going to come back and, and and bite us badly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm like I'm looking at this and I'm thinking to myself, you know. Yeah, seriously, seriously, but uh, but again, I mean, I, well, I mean, here's the thing. You know, think of this way: they're perfectly willing to go after the fossil fuel industry, despite the consequences. I mean, they're essentially talking about eliminating those businesses that they don't like, and. I mean, like you say, the one thing I come to clean, the point I've always made, I made my first, I made my next, my upcoming book, is this: is show me the plan where you're going to grow the economy bigger. You're going to expand the pie. I don't see that in any of these plans. And if you don't have that ability to produce those goods. Then, and you got the feds printing up money to cover, let's say, the increased spending you have, you're going to end up with inflation that's going to rob the middle class. Yeah, well, I mean, look at look at the '60s and '70s when when uh, Johnson uh, put in put in his great uh, society. Um, you know that, that he did exactly what you're talking about. And and it took ten years, and 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 it took uh, uh, a Republican administration for uh, for most of that ten years uh, to hit. But then it hit when uh, Carter was was uh, uh, president, and uh, he tried to revive the the, the Johnson approach, and and we had stagflation that was darn near killed us. And, and 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 by the way, the 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 major um, impetus of that stagflation, from a from a, a commercial point of view, was the shortage of uh, petroleum, and that's the first thing that uh, that uh, Biden gave away was our 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 independence. Our, uh, so um, anyway. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. that's a bad situation. And, and on top of that, by the way, not only have we got too much money being printed, but uh, we also have a shortage of uh, more than a normal shortage of goods because of uh, a lot of it's tied up uh, in electronic the electronics part of things is tied up in China, and our our supply. Uh, chain is uh, it starts in China on uh, on a lot of these discs and various uh, uh, mineral based uh, products, and we can't we won't be able to get them if China doesn't let us do it. And of course, they're not going to. It's mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a good picture. Yeah, I tell you, like I said, we're coming on a break in about two minutes or about a minute. But here's a, you know, I, I saw this, you know, here's the thing. You got Millie talking to the Chinese. And now I don't know, 
and we've had this conversation last week, but I think it's worth repeating sometimes. You got Tony, I know I am God Fauci, um, also playing footsies with the Chinese. I mean, there seems to be this common theme here, do you, don't you see? I, it's like this common theme. It's like, you know, who you put playing footsies with. The Chinese have got their tentacles in darn near every aspect of American life. And they are they are very clever. If you if you take a look at all of the uh the uh countries in um in the uh southern Asia or the, uh the Philippines and Indochina and so on, uh, virtually all of the ruling class are of Chinese uh, extraction, they're, they're they're a very very intelligent people, but uh, you're also uh, listening to the Resistance Hour on the uh, Bachelor News Radio Network. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri, was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one and 260,000. The odds of this born racer having 157 career top 10 finishes in NASCAR? One in 125 billion. But every driver seeks the pinnacle of their achievements. The odds of him winning both the Daytona 500 and the Brickyard 400 in the same year? One in 195 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism one in 88. I'm NASCAR driver Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org slash signs. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. You're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. So, Tom, you were uh, you had the yes. floor. Oh yeah, I guess I had the floor, don't I? Well, I, I yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, like I say, you go back. I mean, I, I mean, I, it, it, like I say, I don't know what else to say. I mean, here's the thing: when other countries have figured this stuff out. Uh, you would think, uh, you know, figure this thing out. I mean, my question would come back here is, why do we keep, you know, why do these people keep repeating the same mistake over, 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 and over again? Well, we uh, do better than most companies, most countries. Well, we have in the past, up until this point in time. But eventually, if you keep following bad policies, 
and it goes back, you know, the answer is no, and it's, and it goes back to something else because this, uh, I mean, now, you know, we're here, let's say we're looking at the vaccine passports where literally our federal government is now talking about telling people if you aren't going to be vaccinated, even if you have an immunity to the virus, we're not going to let you travel. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's their version of science. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, it's like their version of science. But I'm thinking to myself, uh, yeah, I, I think to myself, yeah, how does this help the economy? Uh, well, it's not just the economy it, either. Yeah, it's a matter of a matter of violation. They're being sued, by the way, uh, six yeah. ways from Sunday. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see whether our Supreme Court will stand up and be counted this time, or are they going to continue to duck uh, the the serious uh, yeah. question like they did at the, in the election? Well, yeah, but I mean, yeah, and, and, you know, it's. I was in New York, and I can tell you, I mean, when I was in New York, I mean, you could not go to any place without a vaccine passport. If you didn't have a vaccine passport, you couldn't go anywhere. Uh, there must be a lot of people that event. don't have it. Well, the thing is, about half of the people in New York don't have it. Yeah. The answer, yeah, the question is, yeah, they, you know, half of the people in New York don't have it. And guess what? A higher percentage of them happen to be minorities. Yeah. So, I mean, basically... You know, there's a racial component to all of this. So, that's like. Well, you know, I, I'm i going to uh, enter a, uh, a, a, a one little, uh, I'm going to light one candle instead of cursing the darkness. Um, I've been uh, okay. doing a lot of reading lately on the Civil War and particularly the uh, uh, career of uh, Ulysses S. Grant, and um, you know the, this idea that people have about America today being more uh, divided and more uh, polarized than ever before, and that this is the first time in history that uh, the American public has not had uh, a base of consensus on which to rule. Um, all they have to do is look at the Civil War, and you know uh, that's what you call serious division. Uh, and after uh, four years of war, they they finally concluded the war, but they had over 650,000 casualties. They wiped out an entire entire generation of young men, and uh, both both uh, North and South, and then. Uh, after that, the uh, victors tried to uh, tried to take over the uh, the, the South, and uh, and they eventually uh, the the very thing that they were fighting for the the liberation of the slave of slavery the the uh, defeat of slavery uh, became a very very difficult thing to uh, live with in the South, 
because of all the criminal uh, behavior and the Ku Klux Klan and and so on. Uh, I mean, that that is that was true division, and it lasted for a hundred years. Uh, you could you could say, it, and we still have a lot of remnants of it, but it's nothing like it was in the in the 19th century. Um, and and we survived all of that, and we we kept we kept our heads high, and we kept on on uh, trying to work our way through it, and. Uh, very unlikely heroes arose, starting with Grant himself, and um, it turned out to be a, a great emancipator. He, he uh, Lincoln, completely uh, uh, and, and the situation completely uh, converted him. And uh, when he became a president, he uh, before he became a president, he became a, a really uh, a very strong advocate of. Uh, of uh, black suffrage and and black promotion, and uh, he got he started uh, the uh, uh, black military uh, squads and so on. Um, and then you know, as time went on, we had various other uh, people emerge as as uh, uh, transcending the uh, the very difficult situations that they were in, that the whole country was in. And so, you know, we've 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 lived through things like this before, and uh, the another one was the uh, depression. The, the depression was fraught with great um, sympathy for, and enthusiasm for, um, for not only uh, on, on the good side. On one side was the uh, was socialism, and particularly the, the Russian version of it, and secondly. Uh, on the bad side was uh, uh, a real uh, increase in in, um, in uh, racial uh, uh, disparity and racial cruelty, uh, but uh, that in turn caused the uh, migration of many uh, many of our black brethren to uh, the the uh, northern in industrial cities, particularly Detroit. And uh, and so they escaped uh, a, a, a lot of the uh, uh, impact of the uh, of the uh, depression, and in, in terms of the uh, particularly in terms of the uh, the, uh, the the great uh, uh, pro uh, rural farming problems, uh, the great drought that they had in the, in the 30s. So anyway, we, we've we've had. We've had our we've had our share of of divisive uh, times, and and we've actually uh, we, we've always survived it, but it sure it didn't happen overnight. So I think we just got to keep remembering that that at our our heritage is to to always fight for freedom, and if you, if you if you believe in freedom. And you believe that everybody ought to have freedom, uh, freedom of, of personal uh, personal freedom and freedom of association and and so on. That that you know we can make it, but sometimes we had to get really really tough in order to get through it. But we did. That's my well, that's, that's my second I mean, that, I... that's my second sermon. <laughs> 
Yeah, you're so much of an optimist tonight. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, what, it's a lot better than being a pessimist. <laughs> yeah. Being a pessimist is pretty painful. Well, you know, it's a good point. I mean, the point you're making is an excellent point because you're basically saying, in effect, you know, this is not the worst we've ever had. But, you know, and I'm not going to disagree with that at all. But, you know, here's the let me throw this back to you, then. We were blessed. I mean, if you said, you know, we were blessed with Abraham Lincoln as a president, one of the great presidents of our time who was able to see us through this. And when you look at things, uh, and, and I guess the question I thought, you know, is an interesting. Uh, there was an interview that Stephen Haywood, a, a, a noted author, historian, and you know, the question came, can we ever use another Reagan? He said, yeah, there's a bit of good time for another Reagan. Because even Reagan was that right guy at the right time, who understood what you were saying. You know, trust the American people. Uh, it, you know, and, you know, trust in the American people. We'll will pull through this. Uh, and the question's going to be is where's that Reagan coming from going into 2024? Because we certainly we're not going to see great leadership from the present president. You know, half of the time, I'm not sure he knows where he's at. Uh, well, maybe, maybe not. I, I, I'm not inclined to uh, try to diagnose mental or yeah. or age-related uh, deficiencies from a distance. But what I what I do know is that what he's doing is extremely destructive. And uh, yeah. Well, I, mean, I mean, and I've always stated to people that the one thing about Joe Biden is that he's always been a man of mediocrity at his very best. So maybe what we're seeing in some ways is that maybe that older version, but we're seeing the true nature of this guy truly is. You know, I would always, you know, listen to people say, what an empathetic guy, what a nice guy. And I've always said to myself, Joe's not that nice of a guy. If you ever looked at his past, you know, Senate behavior, if you look at even his past campaign, I mean, he's, uh, and as I, you know, once said, you know, I said the best, the one thing that Joe Biden has always done well in is he's figured out a way to use the system to enrich himself and his family. I'm not sure that's the best qualification to be president but what we're seeing you know the divisiveness the tone of language you know how he is separating people by class by this and by that the nastiness that you see within his administration uh, we're seeing the real Joe Biden Uh, we're seeing the real Joe Biden I think so uh, no matter matter whether it's uh, you're right about his, his his past. I mean, frankly, yeah. nobody ever nobody ever uh, accused him of being brilliant. Um, no. So, uh, and he's been proving that every day. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're listening to the uh, Resistance Hour with Dr. Larry and Tom Donaldson on the Bachelor News Radio Network. You might know me, I'm 50 Cent. You may follow my tweets, my Facebook friends. Odds are a few in the six degrees separate us. We're that close. What's crazy is one in six don't know where their next meal is coming from. These are your co-workers, your neighbors, your friends. Hunger is too close for us to ignore. So visit feedingamerica.org slash hunger and find your local food bank to see how you can make a difference. From one close friend to another, let's do this. I'm 50 Cent, and together we are Feeding America. A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council. Since Buffalo Wild Wings is always open late, here are a few things you'll enjoy. Buzzer beaters, wings in 21 signature sauces and seasonings, and great deals on food and beer. Grab select domestic draft beers starting at $4. $4 shareables like street tacos, fried pickles, chili queso dip, mozzarella sticks, and roasted garlic mushrooms, and deals on select liquor and house cocktails. Phew, that's a mouthful. Catch all of the late night action. Buffalo Wild Wings, wings, beer, sports. Offers and participation vary. Please drink responsibly. Void where prohibited. You're listening to the Resistance Hour on the Bachelor News Radio Network. So, Tom, um, yes. What what do you uh, what what's kind of your bottom line on all this? Well, I think uh, you know. To me, the bottom line for me comes down to can we get through the next three years? Can we get through the next three years to 2024? Because what scares me the most is the lack of accountability where literally people are breaking the law, doing things that should have, in in another period of time, would have resulted in the end of their political career or at least a resignation. And we're doubling down in defense of the most unsavory characters. You know, Miller's a good example. We've discussed him in the first, you know, in, in, the, in the Donaldson files, where here's a guy, you know, even if you take out, you know, the, the recent Woodward book you know, demonstrating that uh, he was crossing quite a few lines, his performance over the past eight months as this general chief of staff leaves much to be desired. The Afghan debacle, you know, basically showed we have a military that may be strong personnel-wise, but the leadership is such at this point. Uh, At this point. Because that was a fiasco. And any general or any officer worth their weight in gold would have said, this is not how you leave a country. Yeah. I mean, we essentially given the Chinese and the Russians all access to all of our latest technology and latest weapon systems. I guarantee you, they've already, if they haven't gotten those helicopters to various systems now, they're going to get them pretty quickly. Uh, and someplace, somewhere, a general who's a part of that debacle ought to pay a price. And if we're not going to make these people pay a price, if we're going to allow incompetence and mediocrity over the next three years, that's what scares me. Mediocrity, incompetency, 
in, in corruption being allowed when you can see it in plain daylight. And they still, they still, you know, it's, what can I say? Uh, it's in plain daylight that we're seeing this incompetence, this corruption in front of us. And yet, nobody's paying the price. Nobody. I think it's a little early. But to pay the price? Well, yeah, I mean, to, um, to, uh, not not necessarily to pay the price, but to expect that the price is be, is going to be paid, uh, and to you know get things set up and get um, you know, get it, it takes time. It takes time for investigations, time for time for uh, you know people to decide that uh, whether something's wrong or not, um, and. Uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's it it it's it is a time sensitive kind of kind of issue. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, if you're talking about, let's say, in the case of Miley dealing with the recent investigation, you know, recent charges that the Woodward book puts out, uh, yeah, maybe it's low. But as far as the Afghan situation goes, that, you know. We don't think we. I don't think we need to spend that much more time to figure out that that he should have been forced to resign after that debacle. Period. And it's not just him. Let's go back to okay. Take Andrew McKay. This is an FBI agent that lied to the FBI during an investigation on four different occasions, and and yet we would not, and yet Bill Barr to his discredit would not try to indict him or pursue, pursue charges against him. Okay, Roger Stone, who's, okay, he's a clown. I get that. Lied to investigators about a crime that didn't even happen, and he gets four years. And that's only after Barr intervened to keep him from getting nine years. Now, James Colby. Misused classified documents. The Inspector General's report said this. He tanked the Clinton investigation. Uh, last time I checked, he's still giving lectures and writing books. Uh, John well, Brennan. It, when, when you go back that yeah. far, I, I agree with you, but I thought you were talking yeah. about the. Uh, the problems of the uh, of the of this uh, administration, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the answer to your question would be is this: uh, a good president would not have a first of all would have probably made a different decision. That's number one. But number two, somebody should have fallen on their sword on this one. As far as Afghanistan goes, and it's not just the disaster. I mean, we've been disasters after disasters after disaster. We got the border security issue. Has anybody paid the price after eight months? And you, you see that fiasco? Who's paid the price for that? And if you go back, and the reason why I'm going back to some of these past years is like, 
This has been going on for years now where nobody has been held accountable for any of this. And the thing that comes in place, if we don't hold accountable any of this, any of these people, they're going to keep doing the same thing. In the case of Millet, Joe Biden has already got the guy's back. He's already said, I got confidence in this guy. You know, you know the, the press secretary, so we can investigate the whole high water in the GOP and the Senate. But look at this. This guy still has a job. He has a president basically say, eh, no big deal what he did about the uh, – you know, a few months ago, during the you know, during the you know, the end of the election and going into the inauguration, you know, my inauguration, uh, he's, he has the guy's back. He's defending the guy. They are defending this behavior. You know, you can sit back oh. and say it's too soon, but at least I would like to have the president say, you know, well, let me thank you for this process of reviewing everything. That's a way out. But you're not going to say, hey, we got your back 100%. Well, uh, they certainly tried to to make somebody pay and turned out it was the wrong guy. Yeah. But, uh, well, there's another fiasco. I mean, there's another fiasco. The guy got blown. Is that what you're talking about? I'm talking about the impeachment of Trump. Oh, yeah. Impeachment of Trump. Yeah, well, may I ask you a question? I'm still trying to find the impeachable offenses. Well, there are yeah, I, I see two impeachments. Yeah. Well, they're not, not only where there weren't any. They, I mean, seriously, if they're going to impeach every political figure for giving a tough speech, you know, Congress, you know, 90% of Congress is gone. Let's look at the Ukrainian impeachment. This is another classic example of what I'm talking about. Because what did, what was Joe, what was Donald Trump asking? He was asking, hey, if you got any information, any corruption done by Joe Biden uh, to your country, I would like to know about it. In other words, we know the guy's corrupt. We have Joe Biden on record saying that the fact he got an attorney general fired for investigating the company that his sons make hundreds of thousands of dollars. So we impeach this, the president, for following through on what Joe Biden actually did and omitted to doing. He got impeached for following through the firing of a government official under the guise of bribing, and let's be blunt, is we had this conversation with you, George, and I last week. I mean, he basically told Ukrainians, we're not going to give you any aid unless you fire this guy. I don't know. I mean, that's a quid for quo, is it not? Last time I checked, Joe Hunter Biden is still out of, is still running around selling art pieces, and Joe Biden is now president. Well, he didn't understand Latin. Latin? What do you mean? Quid pro quo is Latin. Oh yes, yes. Okay, I got yes. <laughs> oh, I know. It, it's it, it it's just it, it's it's so pathetic that if you don't laugh at it, you cry. 
Yeah. So, um, well, right now, though, we're in a different situation. Um, and uh, you, you did you hear any of the uh, Blinken uh, testimony? I did not get a chance to hear it because I was on the road. I mean, I think I, I was think, at a... You know, they used to talk I about winking, 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 blinking, and nod. And uh, I think what happens is that uh, the uh, the military and the and the uh, uh, the State Department they they were they all winked and uh, Blinken uh, took over and he gave it to uh, Trump and I mean. Uh, uh, Biden and Biden nodded, so he got winking, blinking, and nod. Um, <laughs> that, that, uh, but I mean that 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 was just it was pathetic, really. I mean, this, this guy standing up there trying to trying to de- trying to uh, explain that um, they did they did a fantastic job of uh, stopping the war in. Uh, in Afghanistan, and I mean, it was so so obvious. How how you mean you surrendered? You surrendered everything. You left all the people on the Americans and the uh, and the friendly Afghans on the ground, uh, and you took off. Um, I mean, how 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 is that an outstanding job? And he just kept going on. He thought, you know, he he looked pretty scared, especially when guys like Cruz and uh, and uh, Ryan Paul came after him, but but uh, you know you just you just wonder how how can a guy maintain his self-respect when when it, when he's trying to defend something like that? But even more important, how did he ever get into a situation like that? Uh, you know, uh, uh, John uh, Radcliffe claims that that they had. Uh, Irrefutable evidence for uh, months before this, uh, this uh, even before the change in administration, that the uh, Taliban were, were were actually on the run, on the on the that they were actually uh, taking over, and that they had been reinforced, and and that uh, the only thing that was holding them back was this. Uh, pledge of uh, Donald Trump that if they misbehaved, he was going to blast them into the next century. And they believed it. Yes, I... And, uh, well, they probably did, yeah, because they saw what happened to that Iranian general. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, he went and, to go see and, the, the uh, 70... Yeah, he, you know, he, he, he went to meet his baker. Uh, and they had... <laughs> the, the intelligence community, community apparently had all of this staked out very very well because they had a lot of they had a lot of eyes uh, on, and, and feet on the ground you know they had a lot of yeah. um, they had a lot of in- intel that was available to them and 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 they put it together and that's what they he he, he claimed that it was widely widely known and accepted yeah within the intelligence oh, the way, community yeah. anyway yeah by the way the, I, I gotta the, say this I just got a text uh Winking, blinking, and nod—pretty funny. So, <laughs> you you have a fan out there. You got a fan out there, uh, Doctor Larry. You got a fan out there. Yeah. So maybe we ought to start using that more often. 
rather than yeah, Colton. I, I think old Blinken yeah. is uh, is uh, Pat trying to pass the ball to Nod, and and he uh, he he did it once, but but it's, it's it looks like it's not gonna not gonna hold water. Uh, the poor yeah. guy, you know, I I, I just felt he's he's so. He's so incompetent that you almost feel sorry for him. It's, but then you think of all the people that are dying because of his screw up. Um, so you can't you can't feel sorry for him. But uh, it, it's really it's really a uh, it's it's a total mess. I mean, th- th- this guy, this this team is just by one by one uh, knocking down all the pillars of the republic. And uh, if we don't somehow get get them stopped, uh, yeah, we're going to have a problem. Well, it, I mean, yeah, you said. I mean, it comes down to it. it you're exactly right because uh, uh, I agree. I mean, I go back to you know, the point that you and I have been making all evening, and we made last. I think it was uh, last week when George was with us, and all of this is. That we are talking, you know, it's, there's a point somewhere where if we're not going to hold these leaders accountable, then we're going to get the government we deserve, unfortunately. And we're going to get right. the leadership we deserve. Uh, and I think, quite frankly, you know, there's this part of me that says, I mean, I guess my question, maybe that point would be, well, the one thing I will say about Joe Biden, he doesn't do mean tweets. Uh, I don't think his fingers know how. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I'm like at this point, there are days in which I lose my patience with a lot of this stuff. I'm looking at the data. I'm looking at the science. I look at this stuff and I'm saying to myself, you know, the, the numbers are sitting in front of me. Inflation up. Uh, wage, you know, they're basically taking away about 2% of your wages. Uh, yeah, 2% of your wages. I've lost I, every I, year. I mean, you've lost 2%. I'd like to end with. Uh, can you? Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the uh, former governor of Texas that was the uh, energy secretary under Trump. Um, uh, Perry, you, Rick Perry. Rick Perry. Who? Rick Perry. Yeah, Rick Perry. He uh, was asked what he thought about this uh, this uh, uh, problem with the general and. He said, they, he, uh, when they came to him when he was governor, he said, first question was, um, is it uh, illegal, immoral, or uh, unethical, what he wanted to do? And the guy said, no, it's not any of those. And he said, well, then, then you either have to do it or you have to tell me why you don't want to do it. And if you don't want to do it, then uh, you have to convince me that uh, you're right, and if you don't, uh, you better. Then you have two choices: you either do what what we decided to do, or you resign. And uh, since yeah. uh, since uh, the uh, current uh, chairman of the uh, 
uh, of the, uh, what's his name, uh, anyway, this, the, the current guy under trouble, he didn't do any of that, he has to resign, and he said if he's yeah. a real, a real American, he will do that, and I think we have to sign off now, and we have to yeah. say, uh, God bless America, because we sure do need it. Thank <laughs> you.